Greetings, everyone, to the ninth episode of Mookles and Mages. I know that you're just as psyched to be here as we are, because it's blowing my mind every time we record now. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say this now instead of at the end, because I know I'm going to forget. If you have any questions about anything that you heard in our episodes, if you want us to talk about anything going forward, reach out to us. You can find us on Twitter at Moogles and Mages or at Mage Man Dan. Uh, as far as what's going on here, my name is Dan. I'm here with Cody, our residential master at arms of lore, <laughs> as he refers to himself off of the mic all the time. My titles grow. <laughs> what are we talking about today, my man? So, all right. We've talked about Heidelin as it is. We've mm-hmm. talked about Heidelin as it was. Right. But what if we go a bit farther back? What if we go back to a time before Heidelin? Okay, how far back can we really go without a Heidelin? Heidelin's the planet, right? That's, uh, that's a good question, right? Okay. Um, so... What if I told you that Heidelin was not always Heidelin? I would call you a liar and I would <laughs> shoo you off of my show. Heresy! <laughs> so, way, way back, it was simply called The Star. And huh. it, it was home to a whole bunch of races, none of which exist today. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> so, the race we're going to be talking about today, they, they sort of style themselves... I don't know how to put it. They're, they're, they're scholars, they're, they're forward thinkers. These are your, your artists and your, your like learned people, right? Uh-huh. And I'm going to call them the ancients because their city was named Amarot. So calling them Amarotines does not really roll off the tongue as well. No, that, that does not sound good. That sounds like you're still sick when you're saying it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm going to call them the Ancients. Okay, I, I can roll with that. Right, so, so let me just give you an image here of the Ancients, right? The Ancients are just nondescript humanoid figures wearing black robes and a white mask. I'm getting some major overhaul Hollow Knight vibes from this. <laughs> <laughs> These guys existed prehistory. You know, they, they are ancient. Mm. And they lived in this city known as Amarot. And Amarot is incredible. It, it is a modern marvel. Even, like, th- this place makes Eorzea look like the sticks. Whoa. We've got skyscrapers. Holy cow. We've got electric lighting. Wow, yeah, that is... That just looks like a picture out of Tokyo or something. <laughs> it has a very, like, rapture vibe to me. Oh, yeah, you're right, from Bioshock. Right, yeah, like, Amarat... It, it's you know it's this sprawling metropolis and it, it's very like the the buildings and stuff are very like art deco and that kind of thing is the city also underwater so what you're looking at is but the true amarot was not <laughs> so was this the distraction amarot right so uh, let me let me preface this um, the story we're going to be talking about, I, I should have said this earlier, but it slipped my mind. Uh, but before I keep going, the story we're going to be talking about contains pretty huge spoilers for the Shadowbringers patch 5.0 to 5.3, give or take. Ooh, spicy. And... What you're probably going to learn here will recontextualize the way an entire group of characters is viewed across every single expansion. Whoa, okay. Um, you know, if, if you're interested in it, please listen. 
but I highly encourage you if you're playing the game to experience this story organically because it is a masterful reveal. <laughs> See, the, it, right before we start, this is the problem that I keep running into. I want to play FF14, but with my schedule outside of working on this podcast, oh, yeah. I, I, I know I wouldn't be able to put more than like a night into it a week. And there's no way I'm going to get through this story in any reasonable we're, time. We're, this is like a hundred hours into the game. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's why I love this, man. I, I, I get all the best stuff just hand-delivered to me by my good buddy. <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, I'll definitely curate some things for you. <laughs> Alright, let's do the Spoiler warning already done. Right, so. Amarat. Lovely city. The ancients built Amarat themselves using this magic that only they are capable of. Hmm. They are exceptionally powerful mages. Okay. Like, they have reserves of ether that rival dragons. Holy cow. Probably bigger than a dragon's. Like, it is nigh infinite. And they are capable of casting creation magic. So... (laughs) Are we talking like Star Trek phasing into reality kind of creation magic? More. Literally anything that they can conceptualize. Given mana, they can create. They can give that idea form. Wow. And that extends to life itself. Oh, so we, we get some little gods here, don't we? So they, they can create living things. Their power cannot be understated. I see no way in which this could possibly go wrong. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> no, the, 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 the twist of the story is that Amorot uh, thrives today. It was extremely successful and nothing bad ever happened. <laughs> then they all went to the moon. <laughs> yeah, so these guys sort of style themselves as you're, you're like observers. They've decided that though they have this great power and they could very easily affect the fate of their star, what they would rather do is simply observe. Hmm. They they have deigned themselves as the, the like shepherds of their star's future. They're simply going to... Um, I guess shepherd's a weird term because they're, they're sort of responsible for the safety, but these guys just kind of watch. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see shepherd working for that, but so th- is this now? There's still a couple bumping around that are just observers, or is this at their peak? They sort of made that decision. So th- this was at their at the height of Emiratine civilization. Th- they they decided that's what they were going to do. They were going to stay in their little utopia they would spend their days with you know th- these guys are like the philosophers of rome right like they're <laughs> sitting there they're asking each other deep questions and having conversations all day right they, they have no problems in life except unanswered questions right yeah so so they're, they're just watching the rest of the world and what must happen must happen they could intervene and mm-hmm. essentially solve all the world's problems but they're not going to. Hmm. And they, they have that kind of holier-than-thou idea where they're, like, above the rest of the of the civilization, where they kind oh. of view it as just like, you know, oh, those guys down there, look, look at how cute they are. <laughs> look at how little it's, they know. It's like an adult trying to talk with their 20-something-year-old kid, and it's like, look, I changed your diapers. You're not going to be able to impress me with anything. You're not going to outsmart me. Yeah, exactly. Like picture you know, your kid comes up to you and they're like, look, Dad, I painted the Mona Lisa. And they're like, oh, that's great, Da Vinci. I just created 15 of them with a flick of my wrist. <laughs> yeah, I, I made a race off of these. <laughs> <laughs> uh, behold, Mona Lisa 2. 
like the- <laughs> is that one that was done that, that was turned into the meme <laughs> <laughs> so they're just watching and within their civilization in order to sort of facilitate watching they created a ruling faction known as the convocation of 14 Hmm. Okay. And these are 14 ancients that are, I believe that they are actually elected. I believe that this is a democratic thing. Now, are, are these 14 different races or, or just they picked up from 14 individuals living amongst their, the, the people that 14 they made? 14 among them. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the convocation... They're, like, the best and the brightest among them. They're all good at different things. Um, and they, they sort of represent, like, a different facet of ancient society. Mm. And these people will give up their name to take on the title of one of the convocation. It becomes their identity. Oh. So many of these characters, we, we don't know their original names. Are they just numbered? No. They all have a different name that are very weird. Hmm. So the convocation consists of Elidibus, who serves as an emissary. He is a peacekeeper, a um, an emissary. He, he's the youngest of them. Mm-hmm. Elidibus is, is, by all accounts, like relatively a child. By an Asian standard, he is um, like I, I would picture this guy as being like teens to early twenties, or like essentially a, a, a scribe to them, yeah, or something. He's, he's very young, but he takes his role extremely seriously. So, the Asians or the my bad spoilers, <laughs> the ancients, they uh, they they really respect him. Uh, and then there's Lahabrea. He is known as the speaker. And he's, he's charismatic. They say that he has a sort of a fiery personality. Like he's, he's very um, animated and, and sort of over the top mm. with a lot of his personality stuff. He's also exceptionally good at creating. Oh, okay. He, um, he's actually the father of like most of these weirdo life forms that they've created he just makes stuff now is this race or these these watchers the creators of all the races that we see today in eorzea so probably not the actual races we see today but some of their progenitors yeah definitely okay they they cast a wide net so you know various random creatures that are just out you know la habrea probably had a hand in that hmm. he he also created uh, a bunch of spirits particularly faithful to the elements of fire uh he he made a, a spirit known as uh ifrita which you may that may sound a little similar. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. Just a smidge. Yeah, just yeah. a touch. And, you know, that's that's his thing. He has an entire building, like with a wing of a building, that's sort of his domain. Some it's It sort of serves as a museum, as well as a school. It's known as the Academia Aniter. Hmm. Is this just for the Watchers to go to? Yeah, and their civilization is very bureaucratic, but open so like no one's gonna be turned away for being like less skilled or something mm. at, at magic they'll just be like you need to go over here and fill out all these forms and and get a training license <laughs> uh, before i move too far away from the, this guy who was particularly good with creating what was his name again la habrea la habrea can you just picture him 
cruising throughout the years, centuries, millennia pass by as you watch your creations flourishing and changing. And then <laughs> imagine today's time in the whirlwind of memes that are being pumped out. Just, what? Sus. What? <laughs> Yeet. <laughs> What have you done with my beautiful creations? What the hell is what an Amogus? What have you become? <laughs> <laughs> he he would have humongous boomer energy. <laughs> I don't no understand. Doubt. Things were better when I made you. <laughs> um, and then there, there's another, the, the third of the 14, a man named Emmett Selk. You're going to hear his name a lot. That is an oddly normal name. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, I guess it kind of. Yeah, I could. I could see it. Emmett Selk. So he has this interesting gift known as soul sight, and it does pretty much exactly what it sounds like. Is this basically what Yishtola has? Uh to a degree. She she can see the ether you're comprised of. He probably gets a much clearer picture. He's oh. not the only one with this gift, but he is one of few. Hmm. Okay. He has a knack for leading, which makes him a good fit for the convocation. Right. Naturally. He's very good at, at getting people to group and do things. The rest of the 14, however, we know them but we know varying amounts about them. Uh, so I'm just going to go through them kind of quick. We will talk about a bunch of these characters in more depth later. Okay. But they are Pashtarot, Igyorim, Ultima, Mitron, Emeraloth. I think I said that right. <laughs> Emeraloth. Yeah, there's another L there. Emeraloth. Yeah. Uh, Nabrialis, I affectionately call this guy Sideburns. <laughs> Logriff, Halmarut, Dudalafon, Fandaniel, and the 14th and forgotten member of the convocation, Azem. Azem. Azem is a really interesting character. I've mentioned them before. You may remember them from the Aura episode when I made mention of the Dawn Father Azim. Oh! And okay. the member of the Twelve, Azema. So, this is where we potentially get our Dawn Father and Dusk Mother? Azem could be the source of a lot of legend. And this is because, unlike the rest of the convocation, who were very content to stay in their in their ivory towers and just observe, Azem was known as the Wanderer. Azem was very much a boots-on-the-ground observer. Mm. And they were also known to be a little mischievous, maybe a little doing a little more than observation. And just, you know, sticking their hands in a few things. Just just to tilt the tide. Just a how much How much engagement are we talking about, Cody? So there, there's a funny story about this one island with a volcano on it. And this volcano is about to erupt. And it, it could wipe out the life on this island, right? Mm -hmm. So Azem's like, it would be a real shame to just watch this island burn down. I got a plan. So he goes back to Amarat, and he meets with his friend, this co-conspirator named Hithlodeus. And he says, I need you to help me out. I need to steal Ifrita. Okay. So the one thing that the ancients would do is when they created something, they would store that idea, that memory, in a crystal. And then oh. other ancients could sort of tap into that ether. And if they had an understanding of that idea, a sufficient understanding of that idea, they could create that as well. 
Oh, yeah, because they've got the creation magic. Right. So, you, you know, when you create a new idea, you would take it to some sort of council. They would investigate it, approve of it, and basically create a blueprint that anyone could use. Whoa, funky. Yeah. That's a really cool process, though. That's... So, yeah. So, so Azem says, look, I need to get Ifrida, but La Habrea will never let me do it. So the two of them just uh, threw some shenanigans they they steal ifrida and azem goes to this volcano and uses ifrida to siphon off the excess fire ether that is going to cause this volcano to erupt and render it stable all right yeah and when he comes back he he's like you know hey i brought your ifrida back and La Habrea's like, what the hell did you do? Why would you do this? And Azim's like, well, you see, that island has really tasty grapes. I, I just could not bear to lose those grapes. Oh, God, that's so petty. I love him. <laughs> so it, it's one of those things where Azem's like more noble but is it truly selfless he's like an anti-hero does the right yeah, things exactly. for the wrong reasons it's they're 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 what would it be lawful neutral like they're acting in the best interests of everyone but it's sort of perpetuated by self-interest yeah i would say more chaotic good in that yeah, he's, he's doing what he sees is good for most people but he doesn't follow anybody else's rules. He follows his <laughs> own rules on how to do it. He's on the convocation, dang it. He can do whatever he wants. You're right. <laughs> so, you know, these guys are having a, a, a pretty grand old time. They, Emerald is peaceful. The world itself is largely peaceful. Dude, that sounds awesome to be a watcher. Yeah. Like, the, these guys are just, like, they're just vibing. Making cool stuff chatting with your friends all day maybe getting in a good spot of debate with some rando <laughs> could you imagine a whole city of just like everyone is socrates though i i picture everyone walking with a soapbox and it is your civic duty to stop on the corners and start poking arguments at each other for like an hour a day <laughs> and that sounds terrible and i hate that now <laughs> yeah, it does sound. Azem would be the one who runs in with the plucked chicken and yells, "Behold, a man!" <laughs> that that would be that would be Azem. My greatest creation, <laughs> <laughs> the featherless biped, the edible man. <laughs> <clears throat> so, you know, everything's fine. It's great. Happy days. But then things start happening. <clears throat> they notice this sort of upsurge in natural disaster. Mm. Just things start happening all over the planet. And they're like, hmm, that's concerning. Not our problem. We're just here to watch. Can I take a guess? Huh? Were they messing with the elements and the uh, change in the, the ether waves kind of thing? Maybe. Mm. Um, we actually don't no. Oh. We know what caused this sort of problem in a more vague sense. Mm -hmm. But we we don't actually have a concrete answer for what this is. Huh. So, you know, this this discord and, and devastation starts slowly spreading across the planet. And eventually it starts to reach Amarat. And they describe it as a sound, a horrifying, just this guttural noise that just comes from the depths of the earth. What? Yeah. And, and, and they have no idea what it is or what's causing it. Is, is it dark scent or something or void scent? I mean, void scent wouldn't really exist as void scent right now because something cool the void doesn't exist right now. What kind of time and place is this? 
<laughs> How far back did we go? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, so so the the void isn't real yet. Weird. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what the hell is this thing that they're dealing with? It's just the sound. That's just all we know. The oh. sound. And it starts affecting Amarat. But instead of causing natural disasters, it causes more unnatural disasters for them. See, Amarat's, the ancients affected by the sound, begin to lose control of their creation magic. Oh, no. Yeah. And this, this magic run wild, it, it's, it's terrifying. And that fear starts to sort of shape these new horrors oh god so it's kind of like a self-defeating prophecy kind of thing yeah they they can't control it they're just making monsters their nightmares are being given form this is magic that the people are channeling through themselves subconsciously at this point right Mm -hmm. once the sound hits there they cannot control it it simply happens weird so, for example, this is an example of one of the things that, that popped up. It was known as the First Beast. Cody, that is without a doubt 100% a void scent. Oh my god, that is terrifying. <laughs> so it's it looks sort of like a furry caterpillar, right? It's got like all these limbs, right? But its face is human with these you know, big gnashing teeth and these just pure white dots for eyes. And its face is like the human or the size of a human chest. Oh my god, the bright red clown nose, the soul is colorless white <laughs> eyes. Cody, this is going to be my next sleep paralysis demon. Oh no, there's a fantastic shot of this thing in a recent trailer for Endwalker. We we get to see um let me see if I can find it. I'm gonna be honest, I don't know if I wanna if I wanna look at this. I am legitimately disturbed by this. Oh really? I that's fantastic. <laughs> that's exactly what we want. No <laughs> while, while I'm looking for it, I'll I'll show you another one. Okay. So, so this is the Terminus Bellwether. Oh, God. Oh. <clears throat> so it's just a giant fat chicken. What's with the lighting? His gross goblin face is, is hidden. I, I, you know, I get why this whole civilization ended up destroyed. If I saw either one of those, I would be opting for any nuclear option that was available. <laughs> oh my god, that well, is Well, I'm, I'm having trouble finding the image right now, so you're you're being spared. <laughs> oh wait, hang on. Did I find oh, no. it? Did I did I find it? Well, I look, I'm getting closer, but here's here's another horror. This one's known as Therion. What? Oh, this you know, is we like... talked about biblically correct angels. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, this is just like... What, what was her name? The one that we talked about that was... Uh... Sophia? Sophia, yes. <sighs> I don't know what I'm looking at, man. Why is it the size <laughs> of a planet in this picture? Here we go. Behold, the first beast in his high-res glory. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, that's like the oh. jump from Pokemon on the DS to the Pokemon movie. <laughs> I love it. Like, it's it's oh. just sort of like just abject horror. And it's got that inner row of teeth, too, and all these yeah. tendrils poking out of it. And, like and a one catfish. thing you can't see from that image really well um, is on its sides. You might be able to see them a little bit, but it has more mouths on its sides, too. It has, like, smaller mouths on its sides. Can, can we just move on at this point? <laughs> so this gives you a taste of what Amarod is dealing with, right? Oh, just man. Just sheer terror. And, and, 
Amarod itself starts just falling apart. Uh, real quick, I'm I'm gonna upload this on my Twitter page. Just the, the the first caterpillar one. That is the one that's freaking me out the most. I'm gonna <laughs> upload that if anyone wants to see it. Oh, I yeah, I love him. Uh, so so Amarod is just falling apart. The the city's destroying itself. You, you've got, and and these are the you know the bigger monsters, but there's smaller things too. You know you you've got things that are like void scent, like just sort of demons. Um, right. The little piles of misshapen flesh that are just like moving around the city. Oh yeah, and of course nothing that they do is gonna make sense. They're gonna be undulating, and it's gonna be very Cthulhu-esque. yeah, no, because they're they're just fear. They're fear given form, and, mm. and they can't fight it. They don't have control of their creation magic. What are they gonna do? And it just keeps getting worse and worse as the fear gets stronger, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah. So the convocation says. If we don't do something serious, then we're doomed. That's mm. it. So they band together and they say, surely all of us together, we can create something that can stop this. We need to create a, a being. Something that's powerful enough to rewrite the laws of our world. Whoa. But it's going to take a lot of mana. So they summon, a, they gather their people together, and Elidibus volunteers to become the heart of this being. Whoa. So kind of like, oh, what was the word? Like the pylon for them to build the creation around? Yeah, pretty much. As well as a source of mana. Because it takes a lot of oh, mana. Oh, gotcha. And it, it's not just him. So their being requires so much mana that they sacrifice half of the population. What? Half of their population gives up their ether to create what is, by, by you know, all accounts... A god. Didn't... Do they still have the nearly endless reserves of ether? Yeah, and it needs half of endless. <laughs> oh, 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 wow. So they, they make a god. They make a god. Oh. And th this thing become... It's known as Zodiac. Oh, that, that's in the description. You had mentioned him once. Mm-hmm. So, Zodiac is every bit as powerful as they claim that he is. Uh, he essentially rewrites reality. He, he stops the destruction of the star, and he restores the world back to a living place. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's like, mind-boggling how strong Zodiac is. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's just literal god strength. He can, he can do anything now, I guess. Yeah, so, huh. you know, the planet is stable at this point, but there's nothing on it. Everything's basically just dead. The planet's alive, but the life on the planet pretty much wiped out. Wow. Now, is this a result of that sound, or is this a result of the, the horrors that were created? Probably both. Shoot. I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised if they took either just from all the other living things to make Zodiac. Oh, they may have. So, the convocation says, doesn't matter. We'll do it again. <laughs> so, they sacrifice another half of their population. What? They give this ether to Zodiac and they say we want you to take all of this life take all of this ether, right? Any new life that may be starting to spring up you know, because you've essentially rebuilt the world, like the, the building blocks are there 
life is going to start again eventually They, they say just take all of it it doesn't matter and bring back everyone that was sacrificed to summon you in the first place wait what so what yeah they want to sacrifice any life on the planet plus a portion of their own to bring back those that they had lost i don't get the logic behind that was it just a personal thing where it was more of their family or friends that they lost or probably and probably also that they just viewed the, the their sacrifice as noble and like the idea that they wouldn't be able to live in a world that they created how's that fair right oh gotcha almost like for offering yourself in in death you deserve to live Mm -hmm. Uh, okay i guess sure yeah but things aren't that simple a portion of the ancients under another one named venat see she disapproves of this new plan she says haven't we sacrificed enough do we know the depths of this god's hunger yeah you know i'm not a philosopher but i find myself agreeing with this one yeah so she says you know our our people sacrifice themselves for noble goals we should let that sacrifice be a sacrifice and carry on Mm. you know let new life flourish right take a lesson from our creations and evolve Mm -hmm. and this is one of the first times that the ancients had a a real skirmish between them like they've never had this kind of disagreement before Mm. everything could be discussed and and there was a a sort of like um friendly banter about it all but this is two factions with like diametric opposition (laughs) It, it almost sounds like one faction wants to sacrifice the other faction <laughs> and then the other <laughs> faction just doesn't want anyone to die yeah pretty much so the way i i using quotes from the game it's you've got a faction fighting for those that they've lost and a faction fighting for those that could yet be saved oh i saw somebody quote that on twitter yeah, that's a quote from the game. For those we have lost, for those we can yet save. Man, yeah, yeah, now that I know the context of this, that definitely carries a lot more weight to it. So, they oppose them, and they don't really have the means to stop them, though. Mm. After all, your opposition has a god. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. So... Elidibus actually sensing this conflict, he separates himself from Zodiac, and he attempts to breach the divide. But despite his best efforts, he fails. Wait, was this the guy that was the heart? Of he Zodiac? became the heart. He essentially summons himself as a primal. What? Yeah. The real Elidibus is within Zodiac. They are inseparable. The, oh. the Elidibus has ceased to be. But he can sort of create an image of who Elidibus is and send that out. Right, so he just projects his will through ether. Yeah, like a primal. Oh, that's, that's really cool. I, I love the way that they use their magic system in this world. Yeah. So, by all accounts, though, that is Elidibus. But right, it's right. just not Elidibus. Right. He's a little Elidibus's will made by him. But not quite him. Hmm. And he tries to, to bridge this gap, and he fails. So, the faction of ancients under Venat they say you know what if we can't convince you to stop we'll stop you by force so they sacrifice themselves to summon their own god 
one. Their own entity. <laughs> what a twist. <laughs> and this entity, Venat becomes the core for their new god. And this entity is known as Hydaelyn. Whoa. Hold the phone. <laughs> so are the, these gods Zodiac and Hydaelyn, are they just floating around in space or are they tied to the heart or, or what? So these two are very much on the same star right now. These are just two what are essentially the most powerful primals ever created. Wow. So these are, for all accounts, as far as we can consider, <laughs> gods in the FF14 world. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Like, the, these are reality-warping deities. Oh my god, that's so cool. And the two of them immediately go to war. Oh. So, what's interesting about this, and because I, I think the two of them are, it's easy to call them primals, right? They're ether, given form, and they're shaped by the will of their creators. Right, right. The What a primal is created for really defines their power and their the scope of their ability. And I'm unsure what Zodiac's, like, focus would have been, aside from save the uh, ancients. Uh-huh. But Hydaelyn had a very clear goal in mind. Defeat Zodiac. Whoa, okay. So the, the two of them go to battle, right? And it is a drawn-out fight. Until Hydaelyn eventually gets the upper hand. Now, whether this is because Zodiac lacked mana, whether this is just because Hydaelyn's purpose makes her incapable of losing. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But she delivers a mighty blow. So powerful that... It shatters the fabric of reality. Oh, no. Oh, God. Is this where the void sin come from? Indirectly. Oh, my God. <laughs> the world is split into 13 shards. Oh, gotcha. 13 parallel dimensions all split off from the source and all containing one thirteenth of the life of the original. Oh, man. And that includes the ancients on that planet. So all life is essentially split into 13 imperfect clones. You know, when you told me that there was a lot of setup that had to go into explaining the parallel universes, I, mm -hmm. I get it now. <laughs> you know, it, it's just as simple as the creation of two gods and them duking it out, of course. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. In the beginning, there was light. That's, that's where we had to go back. Uh, so, you know, with everything, with the ancient souls being split into all these various pieces, you know, they're no longer the beings that they were. And these parallel dimensions, though they started the same, they very quickly start to sort of branch off into their own timelines, their own worlds. They're not carbon copies of one another. Right. The farther you get away from the sundering, that's what this event was came to be known as, the sundering. The farther you get away from the sundering, the more unique each of these shards became. Huh. And they're really just worlds within themselves at this point. Yeah, yeah, you had mentioned that in the world where we get to see a lot of the Viera, they're on a whole different plot of land than where we know them to be in our Hydaelyn. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's the same but not. Wait, so Hydaelyn, are we still going to refer to the planet as Hydaelyn, or...? So... Where Eorzea is located is Hydaelyn herself. It's known as the Source. She is shard number one. Right. Not even shard number one. Shard zero, I guess would be the way to put it. 
Right, like a part, the whole, the base where the shards mm-hmm. came from. Yeah. Uh, and Heidelin herself is unsundered. Oh, so she spans across all of them? She is whole. Within the source, Heidelin is whole. Oh. She's not present on the other shards. Oh, I was going to ask about that. Mm-hmm. The other shards have no concept of Heidelin exactly. Wait, so what happened to Zodiark? Zodiark was shattered. There's a little bit of Zodiark in every single shard. There's a little bit of him in all of us, I guess, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, Zodiark may have been shattered, but there are three beings that were not. Through some unknown means, whether sheer luck or Zodiark intervening, I don't know. Elidibus, Lahabrea, and Emmet Selk managed to escape the Sundering whole. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like some shenanigans happened. Mm-hmm. These guys started to refer to themselves as the Unsundered. Oh, that's and, such a cool title, dude. Right? And they are pissed. <laughs> to say the least. It's like waking up out. You, you crawl out of bed, you make your coffee, you open the door, and you see the world's just been shattered into different realms. Just, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> and they make it their goal to make Zodiac whole again and get rid of this usurper god by any means necessary. So I can go briefly into their plans, um, but we we will talk about it in uh, more detail when we talk about Calamities and the Asians. Okay, so I, I don't think we have enough time for the setup for that. Right, so the idea is that if you cause enough carnage, you can force Hydaelyn to reabsorb one of her shards. What? And every single time she reabsorbs a shard, Zodiac gets a little bit stronger. Oh, that's right, because he was sundered. But you're bringing mm-hmm. back part of his so essence. You're putting it all back together. So oh. the idea is to force Hydlin to reabsorb all 13 shards so that Zodiac can become whole again. And then they can sacrifice everything to bring back their fallen brothers. Wow. Okay, that's... <laughs> yeah, that's... That's a... A long-haul plan. That is... Mm-hmm. Wow, okay, so... It's big. So with Heidelin, I'm, what kind of damage are we talking about? Are we talking like the Fall of Dalamud kind of damage? Yeah. Anything known as a Calamity. So... Oh. Every Calamity is a shard being absorbed. That means that the Asians have already succeeded quite a few times. Yeah, we've had, what, eight, eight now, you said? Um, I actually am not f- fully sure on the number. Hang on. I-, I know I was actually wrong about the number of Bahamuts. Event. Here we go. The Calamity. There are eight. Though the eighth is a bit of a special case. Hmm. Yeah. Dalamud was one. Dalamud is the seventh Umbral Calamity. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had I had forgotten about the order that a lot of these happened in. Oh. But it makes sense because Bahamut is the most recent. Right. The uh, fourth calamity is the uh, Alag. That's an example. That giant earthquake. Oh, okay. So, so it kind of tied into the whole thing with Bahamut. Mm-hmm. 
story-wise. Yeah. So but... we, we had the numbers mixed up, but the, the the order of events is there. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, but I definitely will. I definitely plan to talk about the Calamities and the Asians. That that's what they they began to call themselves now, the Asians. Mm. Oh, um, and that that's the organization, right? Mm-hmm. So the Asians, the 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 unsundered Asians, can actually elevate a shard of one of their brothers to Asian status. Wait, so that they can go to a world find a fragment of one of their souls and be like yoink oh and just make them whole and just make not make them whole but make them much more powerful oh so like a mini primal kind of like uh-huh. a pseudo yeah maybe and they primal. there are uh there are a lot of them, but of the most powerful ones, I believe there were 13. Quite a bit. I guess one from each realm? The Convocation minus one. Uh, oh, gotcha. Yeah, All our boy Sam is out there wandering. <laughs> Eating grapes. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is something else, dude. That... <sighs> Okay, so with the Asians, we're going to be talking about them and all their plans and calamities next episode? Uh, I can. Sure. I can do that. Okay, unless you had something While else. While it's fresh. You're, I, you're look, man, I'm flying by the seat of my pants. I don't have a plan. <laughs> Nonsense. We, we know exactly what we're doing, everyone. Don't, don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, the quote that you gave me at the end of the last episode. Mm-hmm. So where does that tie into this? That is a quote from Emmett Selk. And he is telling the story of Amarat to the Warrior of Light. Oh. And I believe that he is describing Therion, the, uh, the, the biblical angel. <laughs> the, uh, uh, the, the four-legged one with the wings. Yeah, the wings and the four faces. and Yeah, the one that you fight in space. Yeah, that that sounds like it, it it's deserving of a whole prophecy type speech. Yeah, it, it was the last <laughs> one. It, it's the final fiend or whatever they called it. Wow. Well, I I guess I guess that's it for now. Yeah, I think so. Cool. Shoot. <laughs> thank you so much for this, man. This was incredible to learn about. Uh, thank you, everyone that's listened, for joining us on this journey. We're going to keep going strong, and I see no wind in sight now. Let's keep <laughs> this going, huh? Yeah, let's, let's, uh, look, I'll go until I, I just run out of things to talk about and i have no idea when that's gonna be we'll we'll come up with stuff (laughs) sounds good man we'll see you guys next week for episode 10 